0: All right. Good morning. As always, I'm really excited to see you guys. I'm going to try to look at the camera and not at myself on the screen this morning. Um, you know, it's been a been a strange week, and I, I want to start this morning by asking you to pray for a good friend of mine. Um, he's my friend, but also Bethany and Mickey and Aaron. Um, his name is Jason McFerrin, and as of, uh, I guess, late Friday evening, he had been diagnosed with type A and B flu pneumonia and now also COVID-19. So um, he is in a really bad place right now. And so I want to ask you guys to join us in praying for him and for his family, for healing and and also for peace for his family. So if you guys would add him to your, your prayer list for this week and uh, I just will keep you guys updated on where he is and what's going on with him. I also wanted to uh, ask our life group leaders, if you would, as you're listening um, today or, or later in the week, to, um, to take some time and reflect on this message that the Lord has for us. Typically, um, or the last couple of weeks, I've been writing the questions, but I was thinking about it this week. And as I am preparing for um, our message each week, I'm thinking about my life group. I'm thinking about what's going on in their lives. I'm thinking about um, the way this message may impact them. And it's really helpful in crafting the way that our discussion is going to flow, um, thinking about that. And so I want to ask you guys to, to take on that responsibility, to be thinking about your life group and be thinking about um, the things that the Lord would have you guys talk about in the discussions that... That will be beneficial for them, and and write your own questions. So as you're kind of working through this message for yourself, also be thinking about your life group and um, write down a few questions. For us, you know, it usually only takes two, three, four questions um, because once the conversation starts flowing, um, it's just it's good. And so I can kind of be quiet. I don't have to ask as many questions because um, the conversation's just going and it's really good. And so I want you guys to um, to be able to enjoy that as well. Um, let's see what else do we have here in the way of announcements. Um, I think that's really is it. Just want to remind you guys just again to prayerfully consider the things that the Lord would have you do financially in terms of the church, but your neighbors, your life group leaders, and all of that. Um, We want to make sure that we're taking care of everybody, and one of the ways we do that is by asking the Lord uh, where and how to give our money. Okay, So today we're going to be looking at uh, Ecclesiastes. We're going to be chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. But before we do that, I want to share with you um, a piece of a devotion that I read. I guess that was... Uh, Saturday morning that really I felt like the Lord was speaking through for us as a body but also just believers in general and so I want to share that with you this morning so this is uh, on black Me. if you look on the bottom of the the slide you'll see the, uh, the hyperlink for that if you want to go back and check it out um, but it says this those around you desperately need to be encouraged by your latest encounter with Christ some have lost hope that they can experience the reality of God's presence in their lives They don't need your philosophies or theological speculations. They don't need to hear your opinions on what they should do. They need to hear from someone who has just come from a personal life-changing encounter with the living Christ. When you have had such an experience you will be like the Apostle John, hardly able to contain yourself as you rush out and tell others of your amazing encounter with God. Your responsibility will not be to convince others of the reality of God, but simply to bear witness to what the Lord has said and done for you. The change in your life will be the greatest testimony of your relationship to Christ. There is nothing more appealing or convincing to a watching world than to hear the testimony of someone who has just been with Jesus. So I want us to just kind of think about that today as as we're looking at God's Word. And I want you to be thinking about that this week as we are um, considering uh, what the Lord may want to do through us as we're having conversations with other, You know, this, this relationship with God, like Blackaby said, is what our watching world needs. We are very much in a broken world right now where everyone's trying to figure out what new normal looks like. They're trying to determine um, what their lives are going to look like for the next week, the next month, the next several months. And there's never been a better time than right now to than to be able to speak life into the lives of those that, that we get to be around, whether that's through media, through our, our devices, or um, people maybe that we live next door to that we can talk across the yard or across the street to. So it doesn't matter necessarily that those people aren't sitting across from a table with us the way we usually do those kind of conversations. But as you talk with, with one another, you um, you have an opportunity to share what God is doing in your life. And I don't know what your experience has been like for the last couple of weeks, but for me, I've found that people aren't just willing to talk about God. They're looking for opportunities to talk about God. They're seeking Him. And I think that the reason behind that is because you know the medical experts are trying and they're doing everything they can think to do but they don't have answers yet not the kind that we want like when's this thing going to be over and how many people are actually going to be affected by it um, our government leadership again doing all that they know to do doing their very best to protect um, those that are under their leadership but again they don't have some of the answers that we're looking for and just to be clear i don't have those answers either obviously but what i do have is those personal daily encounters with God, where I can say, "Look, here's some things that I've been asking God, and here's how He's responded to me." And man, that is such good news for people to know that God is active and that He's alive and that He wants to speak into their lives just like He speaks into mine. So, however God has been speaking with you, share that with people. Um, but as you have normal conversations, you know, I had a couple of conversations this week where I was making sales calls for work and. It just came up because it's on everybody's mind. The virus comes up. People ask how you're doing. They ask how your family is. And it gives us opportunities to share what God's actually been doing. So... This morning, uh, my my hope and my prayer is is that as we read through this scripture together, that the Lord is going to spark something inside of us. It's going to encourage us to to share what He's speaking today, but also what He's doing in our lives, what He's done in the past, and what the you know the promise that He's given us for what He's going to do in the future. So, this morning, before we before we dive into scripture, let's just take a moment and let's pray together and ask the Lord to um, to speak to us. So, let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning um, completely void of any answers for a world that desperately desires answers. We have friends and family that are either directly or indirectly afflicted by this virus. And Jesus, we ask first for healing for those that are sick. I want to mention specifically our friend Jason. Father, we ask that you would break up the congestion that's in his lungs and allow him to be able to breathe. And we ask that you'd stop the fever and the migraines and the things that are that are going on in his body. Um, Father, we ask that you would comfort his family. Give them the assurance that um, that you, the Father, are aware of his suffering, that you're working, and that you love him, and you love his family. Father, as we read your word this morning, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand the truth that you're speaking today. God, show us who you are through your word today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start today in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. We'll read the whole chunk today in the beginning um, and then we'll kind of break it down as we move through the process today. So let's begin together in verse 1. I said in my heart, come now I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself but behold this was also vanity. I said of laughter it is mad and of pleasure what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what is good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of his life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and providences. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had extended doing it. And behold, all was vanity, and a striving after win. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. You know, the, the last two weeks, I have not been clicking the right button, no, I apologize. <laughs> oh, maybe I did, I went too far. Okay, I'm going to back up. Please forgive me. <laughs> the last two weeks we've been talking about wisdom, right? We talked about the importance of wisdom and the, the important role that it plays in our life. But we also talked about the fact that um, that we, we need wisdom. And, and so when we need it, where do we get it? We go to the Lord. We go to his word. We seek it there. And, you know. And before we did those two weeks in understanding wisdom and the importance of wisdom, we also looked at the end of this book, right? We, we wanted to go to the end and discover some things Um, From the author so that it can inform how we read this book We saw that at the end of his life the teacher came to the conclusion that that all is temporary, right? It's Hevel and in the end the whole of man like what it means to be a human The reason we were created was to love and to obey God We need to keep that in mind as we read especially today We're going to see the teacher moving in a pattern that we too often move throughout our lives And and I want you to think about last week of your life. Like some of us are going obviously stir crazy, like going so stir crazy that we're playing. <laughs> this makes me laugh every time I see on Facebook, we're playing hide and go seek digitally in our camera rolls on Facebook. Like, have you thought about what that's going to look like in a year, in 10 years when those memories pop back up? Cause they're coming, right? In our text today, we see that the teacher has searched all over the known world for wisdom. And he gained it. He found it. He studied. He applied it. But at the end, he still was unfulfilled. We see in our passage today that he then decides to to seek out all the pleasures that the world has to offer, hoping for joy and for satisfaction. And again, he's left wanting. Look at verse 1 through 3 again. He says this. He said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with my pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also vanity. I said of laughter, It is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with all my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Point number one I want to make today is that we need to hear and apply the words of the teacher right? I think that one of the things that we need to see as we study this book is that the things that we are searching and that we are striving after are the same kind of things that the teacher is after. I made that point during our very first sermon on this, okay? The danger for us is, is not just in searching those things, but the danger is, is that we're going to look at these words, we're going to hear them, and then never apply it to our lives. We follow the same pattern, but if we don't Heed the advice of the teacher. If we don't learn from his words, we, like him, are going to get to the end of our lives and realize that so much of it was wasted because we were searching for something that we already had. Okay? Let me paint you a picture of what I mean by this. Okay? I'm going to make fun of myself for just a moment to to help articulate what I'm trying to say. Okay? Now I want to preface this story with: We all already know that Bethany is the smarter of the two in our marriage, right? Like we we fully understand that. Okay, when Bethany and I were dating, she was going. We were both going to Louisiana College. It came time to move out for the summer, and as a good boyfriend and the proud owner of a small pickup truck, I offered to to help move her out of the dorm. So she's bringing stuff out of the dorm room because you know say you can't, guys can't go in there. Uh, so she'd bring it out and I'd load it in the truck. And we get to the very end of the stuff. And one of the last things she brings out is these things called Yaffa blocks. Now, I'd never heard of a Yaffa block before. If you don't know what that is, it's think of like a milk carton, but a little bit bigger and much more flimsy. So they're super lightweight. They're just made to hold stuff, right? It's kind of like a laundry basket, but more square, okay? And so she brings out these Yaffa blocks and I just kind of set them precariously, on top of some of the other stuff in the back of the truck and went to get in the truck. And she looks at me and is like, uh, you're going to strap those down, right? And, you know, Grant Parrish Will was like, "Nah, they'll ride. Right. Don't worry about it. We're good. And she said, okay. And so we get in the truck and, and uh, she's following behind me, and uh, but thankfully can't see me. And as we're driving down the interstate, one of those dang Yaffa blocks flies out of the back of the truck and, you know, cause I'm doing like 70 and it hits the pavement and just completely shatters into, a, into a, a million pieces. So we get all the way to where I'm moving her and we get out and we're unloading and we get inside and she goes, Hey, I'm missing the alpha block. And I'm like, I don't know. And her roommate's like, yeah, it flew off on the interstate. <laughs> so here's what happened. Bethany told me exactly what was going to happen, but in my arrogance and frankly, in my laziness, rather than listening to her. To her wise words, I leaned into the direction of not worrying about it, right? She knew what was gonna happen, but I had to learn the hard way, right? And as a result, she lost a Yaffa block, but more tragically, every time I load a trailer, Bethany goes, Are you gonna strap that down? Did you strap it down good, right? Because she reminds me of this priceless piece of furniture that we once lost, okay? I had an opportunity to to learn something the easy way, but rather than listening to her wise words, I chose to listen to the laziness in me and I didn't scrap it down, okay? So sub-point number one I wanna make today, this is in your notes, is don't be like Will, okay? Everybody got that? Don't ignore sound advice. When someone tells you something that's solid, don't just ignore it. As we read verse one through three today, your initial reaction may be like mine that the teacher's talking about uh, specifically about laughter and pleasure, and that those things are are vanity, but these are just general terms that he 's using to explain an idea okay, and I want you to keep in mind that that we aren't going with him through this experience we 're getting his final thoughts on his life these aren't knee-jerk reactions to what's going on in his life these are things that he is looking back on that he's thinking about then he's making conclusions on okay the teacher tried to find out what would bring him lasting joy and what the world had to offer and the teacher found at the end of it all that living for pleasure is also hevel it's temporary it's it's like breath in the wind just like wisdom is for years, we used to use a phrase to talk about the same idea uh, that the teacher's talking about. At the Gathering Place, we have um, this phrase that we would we would say all the time, and we would say that that we were getting to the end of ourselves, right? And what we were communicating uh, is that as we were in the process of discovering grace, we were freed up from, from legalism, it felt like there was this freedom that we could do anything we wanted, and it was okay. And so people, myself included, would go out and they would try to experience all the things that life had to offer because now we weren't living under this legalistic burden anymore. But what we all discovered is, is that all of that was just temporary, that we would chase after these things that we thought would make us happy. And before long, we were right back where we started, right? We all go through that process as we're discovering grace, and, and we all discover that that's just momentary happiness, that it's not anything that's going to be lasting. And at some point, we finally realize that, and we come to the end of ourselves, and we realize the need that we have for Jesus in our life, right? And then what also happens is, is that we, we go, well, wait a minute, if, if chasing these things isn't what made me happy. Maybe something else will. And so as as good little boys and girls, right, we think that something like, well, if I'm just trying to find happiness in things, maybe I need to find happiness in something that's more important than that, right? And excuse me. And the teacher goes through this same process. The teacher thinks, Well, if I just focus on things that really matter, I'll find fulfillment in my life. And so point number two today is that Our work, our hobbies, and our passions are going to leave us empty. And I'm sorry, I forgot to push the button again. There you go. Our tendency, our default is to go back to a work-based mentality. We think that if we just work really hard on, quote-unquote, things that matter, that we'll be happy. The teacher went down that same rabbit hole, right? Look at his words again in verses 4 through 8. He says, I have made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and had many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. If we're really honest with ourselves, I think that we struggle with this more than we struggle with the first. Not because we don't enjoy things, we do, but because our universal church culture places such an emphasis on working hard to please God. In conversation, if you and I are just talking, right, we would both agree that that's a bad theological standpoint. We can't earn God's approval like we know that in our minds but how often do you find yourself defaulting to this way of thinking of defaulting to thinking that that when our lives spiritually just don't feel great that if we just if we just get up and we just do some things like if we just will just get up and make ourselves have 2 hours of quiet time with the lord that that's going to fix the problem and it may help but What happens is is we we fall into the trap of comparison, right? Our temptation is to, to look back on those that are still trying to find their fulfillment in the world and go, yeah, but I'm not like those people are. You know, they're wasting their lives chasing all this stuff that don't matter. But look at me. I'm working really hard for God to try to accomplish something for Him. And obviously working hard is better than playing, right? Right? Like that's what we think. But is it though? The teacher devoted himself to wisdom and then also to pleasure, and he found himself empty at both. And you may be tempted to say that, you know, at least those that work hard have something to show for themselves, but the teacher would respond by saying, no, it doesn't matter because it's all just temporary. Look at verses 9 through 11. He said this, So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that the hands, my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity. It was hevel, and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. The last point I want to make today is that we find fulfillment by enjoying these things with God, whether it's wisdom or it's pleasure, the enjoyment doesn't come in the thing itself, but in the fact that we're doing it as God leads, right? If you'll remember, we talked a few weeks ago about focusing on things that are eternal, and I defined that concept by saying that something is eternal if God has instructed us to do it. And we will see as we continue to study this book, the things that this world, of this world, all of them are heavily. They're temporary. They don't last. Like, we're all going to die one day. And the things that, that were our most prized possessions aren't going to matter to anyone else. The the house that we worked our whole life to get is going to eventually rot and decay and fall apart. And someone's going to tear it down and build something else. The things that are given in this world our family, our food, the work that we do, all of those are given as God, by God as good gifts. However, they're only good if we are partaking of them as God instructs us. The moment that we exclude God from those activities, those activities change from what God intended to be as a good gift to becoming a God, little g themselves, because we put them in priority above God. I started today by sharing the fear that we would allow these things to just pass through our minds and never make application. I don't know if you're aware, but um, today is Palm Sunday, okay? And I wanted to, to end our time this morning with a passage from Luke that describes that. Look at me with, uh, with me real quick at Luke 19. We're going to read verses 30 through 40. Jesus says this, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a cult tied, One on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If any one asks you, Why are you untying it? you shall say this The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, his owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. You know, if you grew up in church like I did, you've probably heard this passage many, many times. I grew up in a very liturgical congregation, and we celebrated every year by having all the kids come in at the beginning of the service, waving palm branches um, to help us remember and to be a part of that moment of what's happening. And this passage, for me, kind of became a fixture. It was almost for me, in my memory, as big as Easter was because of this production of this idea of of the people celebrating Jesus, right? This image is plastered in my mind of what it means and why it's important. And I want you to think for a moment, though, how important it is that we allow God to speak truth in our lives, but not just to speak it, but for us to apply it, for it to change who we are. In this recount of this incredible moment, these people who were eyewitnesses to not only who Jesus was, but these incredible miracles that he's performing, they're proclaiming him, right? And we see this ourselves. We also get so excited about what God is saying and what God is doing. But then in just a short time, it's like we've forgotten. It's like the joy and the excitement of the Lord's work in our lives simply fades away. In just one week, these people that are following Jesus, that are declaring His praises, that are putting out such a huge ruckus that the Pharisees are fussing at Jesus about how big an ordeal it is, in just one week, they either have forgotten or they just don't care. Think about what happens in the following week. They are either calling for or they're standing by as Jesus is crucified. These same people I don't want us to be people who are yelling the greatness of God on Sunday and then as we go through our quarantine week, forgetting about the good things that God has given us. We have an incredible hope that this world desperately, desperately needs. We have answers that no one else in the world can provide. We have answers that are going to help people to see that this COVID-19 also is just temporary. It's not going to last forever. The way life feels right now is not going to last forever. The fact that we are dearly missing one another is not going to last forever. And we have assurance of that from the Lord. There's never been a greater time for us to be able to share God's love than right now. The world is more broken right now than it has been in in my history for sure and also probably yours. And there are people that are seeking and they're searching for answers that the world can't provide. And when they can't find them in the world, they're gonna be looking for them in the Father. And you and I know those answers. We know the hope. We know the joy that is available through our relationship with Christ. So church, let us pray together for one another, but also for the people that we have contact with, whether it's someone that you're really close to or not. We want to pray that we're going to see that our fulfillment is found in Jesus. We want to pray that, that we can apply this truth to our lives, not just today, but for the rest of our lives, that, that we can that way be an encouragement to the world to say, look, I know things look bad right now, but let me tell you what Jesus is saying about this. We need to pray that we will become God's love in this broken world. Look, you my people, right? I say that all the time. I love you dearly. And, and I want you to experience the joy and the fulfillment that comes not through getting lost in social media or in family activities. All of those things are good. What I want to see you experience during this time is for you to press in with the Lord and be able to share with excitement, with authenticity, with enthusiasm the things that the Lord is doing in your life. That's going to be far better than any meme that we share or any clip from our favorite sitcom that we post. What people need is authenticity. What they need is hope, and we find that in Jesus. I love you. You guys have a great week. I'll see you next week.